Welcome back to Coach Cameron's podcast. Today I'll be talking um, about my philosophy a little bit based on a question I received uh, from a listener. Um, and this listener says, hello again. I coach birth year 06 boys and a birth year 09 boys. I love the idea of kids doing ball work at home, but few of my kids do it. At your team practice sessions, how much time do you spend on technical training versus game-like training? Is the is it a difference for different ages? How about your college teams? This is a hot topic these days. I'm wondering if your views have changed over time. My views have not changed over time far as what my goals are. Now, far as uh, how much technical training I do versus tactical and, and you know, small games and stuff like that for, you know, team development, um, that changed. My, I, that changed based on what I have and what community I'm in, you know. So um, let's just first start out with what matters to me. Ball mastery matters. It's number one. Um, if, if your kids can understand if they can maintain the ball, and I always say this, if a, if a player can maintain the ball under pressure in a 1v2 situation, meaning two defenders, in a 5x5 five five area for five seconds, they took the pebble from my hand or from their sensei's hand, and they are free to really enjoy the game of soccer. Because the rest is so much easier if you're not scared to have the ball. Passing, receiving is easier. The whole game is easy. But you have to get through that first part, which takes a lifetime, it seems, or work. Um, You've got to find a way to convince the kids to train at home. They have to dribble at home. So the reason I make that my number one focus is because there's, an, uh, there's a soccer club called Santos. Santos is an organization that when I was growing up, I played for uh, the Shamrocks and Cisco uh, back in the day. And there's this little club called Santos. Santos was a club that f- basically they trained five days a week. And they just did dribbling. And then um, small play, and then they play uh, games on the weekend. Their, their focus was uh, dribbling with the ball, fitness, and small group games. And then they play on the weekend, so basically seven days a week. So they outworked the competition. Um, Santos produced more players than any other um, club in the history of Arizona in a small amount of time. I mean, you got players like Pablo Mastroni, who played on the U.S. national team. Um, you got uh, Ryan Turner, who ended up playing for, um, I think, Notre Dame. Uh, Evan Whitfield, who played on the, uh, the played in the Olympics and played for uh, Duke University. I mean, they they produce so many players, and every one of them was technical. Every one of them. I was always fascinated by it. So, um, I remember training with them one summer, um, just because I wanted to learn technique. And they didn't do anything special. They just it was basically a whistle. It was like cut, 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 whistle, 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 and it's just like oh my gosh, nonstop. And then you go and play and you know, 5v5 and and 4v4, and that's it. It was hard work. I didn't like it, um, So, but I was fascinated by it. So when I became a coach, I copied what they did and made it my own. 
But what I did was I did extreme dribbling, meaning I'm like, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make dribbling fun. So I was introducing all these new moves and, you know, really make it fun. And what I learned over time is if, if you can teach uh, moves or get the kids to, to try new moves and, and uh, create new moves, we'd always create moves. I spent a lot of time, you know, having kids uh, – uh, dribbling sessions and small groups and creating moves. And then if they created a move, I would name it after them, put it on YouTube and stuff like that. I would do, do whatever it took to get them to buy into love dribbling. And um, what I learned over time is when you do that, when you're teaching them off balance dribbling, they became quicker and faster. And that's when I started focus on extreme dribbling and, and the importance of, um, you know, doing ball, ball manipulation and learning how to move differently, which would actually make you quicker and faster. So it was speed training as well. Um, but that's another podcast. But ball mastery is number one. It's, it's so number one. It, you'd be better off uh, if, you're, if you only could train – if you're only trained twice a week, they better be trained at home. They have to be trained at home. But if you're trained twice a week, I would just do – I would do uh, ball manipulation and 1v1 and, and – and sell them on the importance of that. Then on weekends when you have games, I would use the games as opportunities for tactic development and do more training and tell the parents, listen, we don't have time. If we have two games on, on, on uh, the weekend, use the one-hour uh, session before the game, the, the warm-up, as your tactical session. If you're, if you're able to have that, if you have uh, you know able to warm up and stuff, I would work – uh, on tactics then or reverse it if you had to do tactics uh, and uh, you know de- you know small uh, group play and stuff to develop your teams uh, during the week then you have to use technical at the weekend you have to use all the hours you possibly have I was always focused on maximizing my time I've changed it changed uh, a bit on that because I'm older and it hurts to demonstrate. I mean, I, my knees are jacked up and I have no cartilage in either one. And when I do a long, you know, hour session demoing and all that stuff, I can't walk for a week. So then I've been trying to shift things by having the kids I've taught moves and stu- uh, taught moves to to showcase for for me and all that. But I really am trying to get them convinced on with the power of the internet and stuff. I'm really trying to get these kids to to focus on training at home. And then I would challenge them. I'm like, if, if anyone can show me a new move, something I am seeing or something that is, you know, something I seen but exciting, um, I would, I would focus on that. So ball mastery is number one. Um, got it, got to get it done. But then you have the game component. So the game component is very important. If you can get your parents and your kids to really understand what the real goals on on developing team is through a, a basic math principle, through just simple data of of how many times does your kid or each player receive the ball in a pressure situation, which is a real game with real referees and, and the whole gamut of where there's going to be a win and a loss and parents are going to be freaking out. Um, how many times can you get your kids to get touches on the ball in a real situation? So when they when they're in that situation, they can learn so many things because the the whole adrenaline component. If they're able to receive the ball, handle the ball under pressure, beat a player um, with you know 
you know, when the moves you're teaching were, you know, say it's a pull back behind roll and go, that's a common move I teach. And it's very simple to do, but playing the game is very difficult. If they can pull that off, the amount of memory that'll happen in that situation is phenomenal. It's, it's ridiculous versus doing it in practice. The pressure of, of a game is huge. That's why it's so important to, to really to educate your parents to really allow the kids to fail. They fail in the game environment to the point where they don't fail. You have to go through that learning process, but you gotta get a buy-in from your parents and say, listen, we got a point system. And here's a simple point system. Every, you need the parents to track the kids. Every time they, they receive the ball, it, and which direction they pass it, they pass the ball forward or backwards, did it go to their team or the opposing team out of bounds? Just simplify it. What are they doing? How many times are they actually touching the ball? You know, how many times they're having successful passes? That needs to be recorded, and the parents need to record that so they really can see what's going, going on. A, a quick story, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching the 96 Hammers. And we're in State Cup, and we're playing TSA. Like I, I, I think I mentioned it in another podcast or this one, I can't remember. But um, we're playing TSA. They haven't lost a game in two years. We ended up beating them 2-0. It's amazing. We had the ball the whole time, and um, we dictated the pace of the game and really took them out of, you know, the game of soccer. And uh, they didn't know how to deal with it because we just kept the ball. Um, after the game, I had a parent yell at me, "You didn't play my daughter enough, or whatever." And I'm like. And, and I didn't because in Arizona at the time, it was you, you had so many subs per half, and they tried to do all these dumb rules. And you can't make subs. You only have so many. And so she didn't play much. And she, she wasn't one of the better players, but he didn't see that. That same summer, I, I made all the parents do the point system again, and he was new to it. And uh, after the game, he came to me and goes, I now understand. It was very basic to see, but he couldn't see it unless he wrote it down, and he saw the difference, because the the points are the points are the points. Either you're passing it to your team, our team, or you're not. You know, based on the system I was playing, it really helped him understand, and he apologized for it. Like a month later, he finally understood, and it was through the simplistic math formula. You know, how many times did they were successful or not in touches on the ball? But, anyways. Um, the game environment is so important because you have to be able to um, uh, touch the ball in a, a real game situation and be able to really feel the pressure of that and be successful. But you have to go through failure to get to that. So the the math formula or the 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 system I use on that I start with this system of uh, dribble the ball until you have a pass. If you have a pass. Uh, an easy pass, make it early and often. If you don't dribble until you can find one, I'd rather you lose it dribbling than on some goofy pass. Just keep the ball. Uh, I like the ball being moved when it's easy because then everyone gets a chance to touch the ball and it's a big race of how many times you can get your kids to touch the ball in a game environment feeling comfortable. And it's simple math. And that's what people don't understand. Uh, Coaches and teams out there are not willing to lose by developing players. They're not. They're scared to pass it back to the keeper. That you know, I've never been that way, ever. I've never I've always been I've always had the conviction, development at all times, because I was I wanted to win. The only way you can win at the highest levels 
in youth soccer and beat anybody with a weaker team. If you know, if you want to be a, a more athletic team, the only way is with intelligent thought, keeping the ball, um, and really controlling it. it. I go back to the 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 reason of that, the thought process of that. I was on the Cisco State Champions. We went to Dallas Cup and played in the Super Group. And we were playing Taiwichi. Taiwichi, which won Dallas Cup three years in, in a row at the time, and in the Super Group, mind you. So we're playing Taiwichi. These Taiwichi kids from Bolivia, they're tiny, half our size. This is U19. We could not get the ball from them. I think I touched the ball twice. I was so fr- I was just trying to kick them. I couldn't even kick them. They're so quick and so technical. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, and we lost 10-0. I almost quit soccer after that. But it, it ingrained in my mind the importance of intelligent, intelligence and first touch and not being scared out of the ball. And it, and it can be learned through doing uh, for, or putting the kids in a situation and doing rules of keeping the ball and move the ball when it's easy so everyone gets that math it's a big race how many times can you touch the ball in a real game in a real pressure where you're you're producing adrenaline those are memory drugs they can be bad memories or they can be good memories you need to put them in that situation where they're good where it's okay to to fail and then when you have success it it's just um the kids will remember it forever and then they can do it forever and then you move on to the next move the next move the next move or you know, it spins and turns away from players to lose them. I mean, even those basic moves is a big deal when you can do it in a game. So that's important. Uh, open play. So how, how, small side games and all that stuff. Uh, I believe in open play um, with older, more advanced players. Find a way for that to happen. I, uh, right now, I currently have my son, Jack and Jet, developing a soccer league, which we, I still got to get on, on him for that. Uh, we did before, but... I want a neighborhood league in my um, backyard. We had it once before, like maybe five years ago, where kids would just knock on my door to play Jack and Jet in the backyard. Uh, I'm going to develop that again. They need to play more. They, they, you need a, it's a culture thing. You need to create a culture in your backyard, uh, if that's possible, or your neighborhood park. Um, I would always bring older kids, college kids, um, to play my, 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 uh, my players. So if, if you have 06s, Find a 03 team and find the most technical players on that team to, to play play the uh, play with your kids. Got to do that. You know, um, I, I have the luxury of bringing a lot of my kids to play against my college kids, where it's uh, we'll do three v three or four v four, but I have one college kids on each team, and they learn so much from playing with older players that are directing them, telling them what to do. They learn they learn more uh, from players than they'll ever learn from a coach. Um, Pickup games. I find a way to get your kids to do pickup games, anywhere and everywhere. Find a way for them to feel comfortable doing that, and just enjoy meeting other people and doing it with supervision, of course. But find a way to do pickup games. Create pickup games. Create backyard leagues. Uh, play against older players. Anytime you can do that, the the better it's going to be. But it's a uh, just be creative. Find a, I always change my approach as far as how do I sell these kids and families to do this? And, it, and it's hard. Um, I know this was a long podcast, uh, but I'm very passionate about it. There's so many different things to think about, but I would 
love to hear your thoughts. If you have any more questions um, about as far as what can we do as far as soccer development and, and different creative ways, let me know and, and I'll, I'll get back to it. But I appreciate you listening and hopefully this long podcast, this one of my longest podcasts ever, based on a question from a listener. So thank you from the wonderful area of Washington State. I want to go back. So green, so nice. That'd be awesome. So anyways, thanks for your question. Hopefully that helped. Maybe it was too much. I don't know. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely uh, break down this topic over and over again if people want to hear it. All right. Thank you. Goodbye.